Welcome to the Hidden Palace with Skyblaze. Hello, good people. Good morning, afternoon, evening or night, wherever you are in the world. Today is episode 13 of The Hidden Palace, and it is my last show of this year. Yes, I will be back next year with some more facts and trivia, so fear not. Uh, I hope everybody enjoyed Winterfest, by the way, and my special Winterfest episode. Uh, I had a great time. I missed some of it because I was working, uh, doing my other job as a DJ. Hang on. Never mind. But I, I was working for some of this, and I did miss some of it, but... Um, it was, what, I, what I did manage to listen to was great. Um, well done to everybody, and well done to Casey for organising it. But for uh, my regular episode for this week, I'm going to be talking about the Master System. Uh, though a lot of casual Sega fans think that the Master System was actually Sega's first console, as I did mention in a previous episode, uh, the S it actually isn't the first. The SG-1000 came first. Though it wasn't terribly impressive in terms of hardware, it was mostly a glorified clone of a ColecoVision and kind of played Pong variants and not much else. Oh well. Uh, come 1985, Sega realised that the SG-1000 was getting a bit long in the tooth and not keeping up with any com uh, with its closest competitors, including Nintendo. So. It did a significant redesign and upgrade of the SG-1000, and dubbed it the Sega Mark III. Now the Mark III had a faster CPU and video display processor, thus bringing it into line with things like the Famicom and the MSX2. But it re retained backwards compatibility with SG-1000 games and peripherals. The Mark III also had a built-in card slot, which enabled it to play games from what was dubbed the Sega My Card format, which were credit card sized disc games that were similar to floppy disks, but they were quite a bit cheaper than old school cartridges and had a much less storage space. So smaller games, cheaper games, budget games tended to come on these little credit card sized discs. I don't remember seeing a huge amount of those. Um, I don't know if they just weren't released in the UK, but I, I don't really remember seeing them. Uh, so somebody else will have to tell me what they're like, because I've never seen any in the flesh. Anyway, I'm going to continue with some more uh, stuff about the Master System after the break. But first of all, um, I've got some music. And from the Master System release of Sonic the Hedgehog, we have Jungle Zone. Sega, playing the best Sega music, 24-7. Sega!
and we are back and that was final takeoff from afterburner and as jamie was asking it's the fm version i'll get onto why that's important in a little bit um prior to that it was sonic the hedgehog master system version jungle zone right so in 1986 the mark III got another redesign and this time it got put into a snazzy black case that ended up being a signature of Sega consoles right up until the Dreamcast. And though internally at Sega it was referred to as the Mark IV, it was launched in the USA as the Master System for the price of $200 with the multi-cart of Hang On and Safari bundled in, as well as being relaunched in Japan with the Master System name. Now, the Master System's American launch was a bit of a disappointment for Sega. Nintendo's NES had a fairly well-established foothold by then, and exclusivity deals that Nintendo had signed with several popular third-party developers kind of strangled its potential game library somewhat. Sega hoped for a sales figure of over 400,000 consoles in 1986. Instead, they got about 125,000. Which doesn't seem that bad, until you look at the NES sales figures of 1.1 million. Good grief! It's also notable that the Mark III, as released in the US, had a significant disadvantage. It didn't have the FM sound chip built in, since for some reason it was left out of the international releases. Japan got uh, the, uh, the, uh, the FM sound chip built into the console and the earlier Mark III versions got an add-on that they could install themselves to get higher quality sound. Meaning that the music quality is, uh, of the games is noticeably poorer in recent regions where they only have the PSG chip. So if you're looking for music from the Master System it's worth noting if it's FM or PSG because they do sound a lot different. I mean, really, really different in some cases. I've primarily tried to stick to the FM versions of the soundtracks where possible on this show, because they do sound genuinely better. But, it's a pretty interesting topic. It's very technical, so I'm not going to go into too much detail, because people will get bored. I might find it interesting, but I'm aware that I'm a colossal nerd. So yeah, worth noting that there's two different forms of sound for the Master System, FM and PSG. This is important. So on that note, I think we should have some more music. So this is a remix, it's actually super hang on, but it sounds awesome, so I'm going to play it anyway, uh, by Gibbs. And it's the winning, uh, what's it called? The winning something or other. <laughs> I can't see the thing. Play, you wretched thing. Oh good, my software's decided to not work. Right, okay. Right, Super Hang On The Winning Run by Gibbs, now that it's working. So, enjoy that.
listening to Radio Sega, playing the best Sega music 24-7. Master of Darkness and prior to that it was Super Hang On The Winning Run by Gibbs. So hello to people who have just joined us in Discord chat. Uh, there is a bit of an argument going on regarding which is actually better FM or PSG. I maintain that I tend to prefer FM but if PSG is your thing that's fair. Okay. Moving back on to the launch of the Master System, uh, things were substantially more hopeful in uh, for Sega in Britain and the rest of Europe. So after initial shipment and delivery mess up in Europe, distribution of the Master System in that region was being handled by Richard Branson's Virgin Mastertronic, 
since they just acquired the Mastertronic name at that point. Which marketed the system fairly masterfully. Haha, <laughs> masterfully. I am hilarious. As a home arcade machine and touted its superior gaming capabilities compared to home computers like the ZX Spectrum and the Commodore 64, which for those who lived in, uh, in the UK at the time pretty much dominated the landscape at that period in the UK. Mostly because you could literally buy tape games for about 60p. It was quite terrifying. Uh, also contributing to Sega's success in this area was Nintendo's hugely botched launch in the UK. Nintendo had handed distribution of its NES system in the UK to Mattel, the toy company, who went on to make some truly baffling decisions regarding which stores would get the consoles. Many high street stores that you would expect to have consoles, like for example WH Smiths, weren't given any of the units, with the limited number of consoles instead going to places like, of all things, Boots Pharmacy. What? Whatever they were smoking, it was clearly the good stuff. This resulted in the NES having near-mythical status among consumers, and giving Sega an almost free playing field, because nobody could get hold of the NES. So oh, there was a master system right there. It was actually cheaper, the games were cheaper as well. So it made complete sense in that, in that kind of market to instead buy the master system. Okay, well done there. Let's have some more music, shall we? Uh, let's have some Space Harrier. Let's have... Uh, let's have Heia O, the Space Harrier. Uh, this is the version I've got from Kahina Radio, so... Uh, I'm not sure what version this is, because it doesn't actually say, which is inconvenient. But yeah, it's, uh, it's Space Harrier, so I hope you enjoy it.
and we are back. And uh, the war over whether or not it's FM or PSG is still raging. And now, uh, thanks to Twinny, there's a Twitter poll where you can vote on the... It's on the Radio Sega Twitter. So, at Radio Sega, um, you can vote on whether or not you prefer FM or PSG. So far, with 75% of the vote, FM is winning. So... That's up to you, but I personally prefer FM, I think it sounds better. If you prefer PSG, I am not judging you. But I do seem to have somehow ignited another war on the <laughs> Radio Sega. First of all, it was Swell Wars for the Dreamcast, and now it's this. I don't know what's going on, everything has all gone to hell. Uh, I also like to acknowledge the hard work that Twitty does running the Radio Sega Twitter. Uh, they work really, really hard and they re do a really, really awesome job, so kudos to them. Anyway, uh, music that was just playing, because this is a radio show. Uh, it was Shinobi Shuriken Mix from RKO Remix. And yes, Rexy, I know it's from the arcade and not from the Master System version, but I really wanted to play that mix because I think it sounds really awesome. Um, prior to that, it was Space Harrier Heia O, and that was from the Sega Master System. So, continuing. Uh, in. Uh, where was I? In 1990, Sega did yet another redesign on the Master System, which resulted in the Master System Mark II, or Master System II as it's generally known, which removed the card slot and the expansion port. Sega marketed this as a budget console, a cheaper alternative to the new release Mega Drive. Though interestingly, despite its lack of expense, the Master System II has a reputation for being damn near indestructible. When I was in high school, I did actually know someone who dropped one from waist height onto a tile floor. Then plugged it in, and booted it up, and it worked fine. Because of course it did. What were you making these things out of, Sega? Adamantium? <sighs> anyway, the downside of the removal of the expansion port meant that some add-ons, like the Sega 3D glasses, were not usable. I can say words, on that version of the console. No other Sega MyCard game cards that I mentioned earlier. Though most people in the UK considered that to be a reasonable trade-off for the cheapness of the console. Because as I mentioned, it was a lot cheaper than most consoles and the, game, uh, and the games were a lot cheaper certainly than NES games. But yes, uh, Let's have some more music, I think, um, before the, the war erupts again. Although I am going to upset someone because one of the, one of the sets of music that I'm going to play is the FM version. So there. Hmm. Right, from Fantasy Zone. I can't remember which version of Fantasy Zone it is. Fantasy Zone Neo Classic. Which I don't think is a, a, Mega Dro a Master System version either, but... Ah, sod it. Fantasy Zone. Fantasy Zone is awesome. It is Start Opa Opa RD1.
real bag. And that was Fantasy Star Dungeon 2, FM version. You may fight me, bearing in mind I have swords. And prior to that, it was Fantasy Zone Neo Classic, Start Opa Opa RD1 version. The war is still raging uh, in the chat. Um, people have gone back to the Dreamcast Blue Swirl versus Orange Swirl versus Red Swirl wars. I am past caring, you guys carry on. Just go for it. Let me know if it comes to blows. Because at least I can get popcorn. Uh, <laughs> right, back to the master system, which is what I'm supposed to be talking about. Right, though the redesign and marketing tactics didn't work all that well in the US, in the UK, I remember that the Mark II Master Systems were all over the damn place. Particularly the versions with the built-in copy of Alex Kidd in Miracle World. Everybody I know seemed to have one. I was actually one of the very few people I know who had a NES instead of a Master System 2. But I'm sorry, okay? I was six! Please don't kill me, or fire me. Moving on. It should also be noted that the Master System hardware formed the basis for the Game Gear handheld, to the point that many, many Master System games were very easy to port to the Game Gear, and were in fact almost identical to their Master System versions. Indeed, there were even the Master System Gear Converter, that allowed Master System games to be played on the Game Gear. It was a pretty bulky bit of kit, but it actually worked rather well, redrawing the games so that they fit nicely onto the Game Gear screen. There were other built-in games for the Master System 2 as well. Uh, later versions had Sonic built into it, for example. I've not got a full list of the various built-in games that were in it, because some of them, you did get some very weird stuff in Brazil, which I'll get into later, but there were a lot of games that ended up being built into later versions of the Master System. Uh, Green Viperate is saying, how do we even know that you're Skyblaze? Because nobody else sounds quite like me, I don't think. I've never heard anybody successfully do an impression of me, to be honest. So, I'm pretty certain I'm me, unless something has gone drastically wrong. Anyway, let's have some more music. Uh, let's have... let's have... what are we having? Uh, Wonderboy and Monsterland main theme, I think. Yeah, Wonderboy and Monsterland main theme. FM version again, so... Mm, enjoy. I'll see you after the break.
to Radio Sega, playing the best Sega music 24-7. Sega! from the Twitter poll it's 81 to FM and 19 to PSG so yeah I think FM is kind of winning anyway uh, that was uh, a Alex Kidd's remix and I've lost what it was called Alex Kidd in Miracle World Sugar High by Joe Redifer it's a really nice mix that, I really like it. And um, prior to that it was Wonderboy in Monsterland main theme FN version. So I hope you enjoyed those. Right, there were some pretty nifty add-ons that were related to the Master System. Um, and I say related because for instance there was the Master System base converter, which functioned as a relatively simple pass-through device that allowed you to play Master System games on your Mega Drive slash Genesis. Sega were still committed to the notion of backwards compatibility, as they had been way back when the Mark III was launched. There was also the awesome looking light phaser, Sega's answer to the NES Zapper, though it was heavier and a bit more responsive than Nintendo's offering, and it looked sleek and black and cool, let's be honest. I kind of wanted, even though I never had a Master System, I kind of wanted one just because it looked really awesome. Anyway, early versions of the Master System controllers came with a peculiar little removable thumb screw in the middle of the D-pad, with the idea being that you could install little mini arcade sticks and such for arcade-style games. In reality, what tended to happen is that games would cut themselves on the screw threads, and it was pretty quickly phased out in favour of a solid D-pad, since the little mini arcade sticks didn't work all that well in any case. Related to that was the so-called control stick, an ancestor to common arcade controllers that tend to be available now. The idea behind this was to give better control over arcade port games such as Afterburner and Outrun. Insert usual joke about confusing the two here. The problem was that Sega had inexplicably decided to put the buttons on the left and the control stick on the right. Yes. I'm left-handed and it makes me shudder in horror. Why, Sega? Why would you do this? I don't understand. Uh, Jerry Wonderman saying the Alex Kidd remix sounded a bit Christmassy. It doesn't. It, it does a little bit. Yeah, the light phaser led on to the Menacer. It did. Yeah, it was uh, kind of a prototype. And I'm not telling you. I'm just telling you know, the 
the guys the, the current results of the Twitter poll. The Twitter poll is still ongoing. I'm just keeping you updated. Right, let's have some more music then, shall we? Uh, since I mentioned Outrun, let's have some Outrun music. And because I can, uh, let's have an okay, another RKO remix of Outrun Magical Sound Shower.
And that was Magical Sound Shower RKO Remix. And yeah, again, it's not the Master System version, but it sounds really awesome, and I will take any opportunity to play RKO Remix music, because it's brilliant. Right. So the chat's doing something weird. It involves the letters RKO. I, I don't know what's happening. Anyway. Uh, I've mentioned on this show a couple of times before about Brazil being Sega's apparent spiritual home. Now this love affair actually began with the Master System, which was released there in 1989. Ironically, just as the system was pretty much being discontinued in Japan, with the last Japanese game for the system, Bomber Raid, being released in that year. The release of the budget Master System 2 struck a particular chord in Brazil, where it sold like hotcakes, and continued to sell, and sell, and sell, to the point where, as of 2016, the Master System has sold over 8 million units in Brazil. 8 million. Good grief. A Brazil exclusive variants of the console, such as the Master System 3 and the Master System Compact, were produced by Brazil distributor Tectoy, and games such as Street Fighter 2 and Dynamite Heady continued to be released in the region for the Master System throughout the 90s, although they were mostly ports of Game Gear games. And to this day, there are still plug-and-play variants of the console available in Brazilian shops. As in 2015, it sold 150,000 units, a figure which is comparable to Brazilian sales of the PlayStation 4. I, I still can't get over this. My, my mind is blown every time I look up information about Sega in Brazil. It's really bizarre. Anyway, I'm running out of time very rapidly, so one fun fact to finish off the show. Most Master System emulators are built out of Mega Drive emulators. Why is that? Well, because the Master System CPU is the same as the Mega Drive sound processor, which makes it pretty easy to piggyback one off the other. So there you go. If you ever need to build a Master System emulator, find a Mega Drive emulator. Anyway, thank you everyone to listening. Um, hello to, thank you so much to my friends in the Discord chat. Uh, Let's see who's in there. There's uh, PT Kickass, Green Viper, Twinny, Rexy, II, Sarah Rose, everybody else who's in there. I'm, I'm not going to go through your wall because I'll be here until the end of time, but thank you so much for supporting me and listening to my show. And thanks everybody to encourage me and supported me during my trial period here at Radio Sega. I am so grateful that I managed to get a full-time slot here. I'm having a great time producing this show for everyone. Now I hope you all have an excellent Christmas or Yule or Hanukkah or whatever it is you celebrate. So have a great holiday period and an awesome new year. And I will see you in the new year for more Hidden Palace. Thank you so much. And we've got a couple of tracks to go out on. We've got Ninja Gaiden Samurai in... Sutin Kaku and Zillion Inside the Roadhouse by DJ Pretzel. That's an OC remix. Thank you everybody for listening. I will see you next year. Good night.
So Radio Sega. Ten years plus Sega is. the show check out the full radio sega live schedule at radiose.ga forward slash shows radio sega playing the best sega music 24 7 